Welcome to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 59. Uh, we are almost at 60, guys. This has been an exciting journey, and we're excited to uh, cover the last week in the NFL. We have some news. Um, some people no longer in their positions and, and others no longer able to play due to COVID. So we're going to touch on that a little bit. We're going to talk about winners and losers from the past week and then look at some games of the week for this coming weekend. Um, let's dive into some NFL news first. But before we do that, how are you guys doing? Doing Not good? great. Not great for me. Not oh, great. I wonder why. <laughs> As our resident Niners fan, any uh, any update on why you're not doing great? Nick Mullins is why ah. I'm doing uh. We'll talk about him later, but Nick Mullins has ruined my weekend. <laughs> well, he was doing okay up until uh, the know, first he, half of the game. he forgot whether he was the home team or the away team and got the jerseys Gosh. mixed up there. But If it's any consolation, he made my weekend. So while it ruined yeah. yours, have solace knowing that I was very happy. Oh, oh man. Oh, anyway. God. Cyrus even had the uh, fortitude to to pick the Eagles in his game picks too. He went all in, I did. and I had uh, to. he's he's climbing back into things. He was he led the podcast picks last week at four and one. So, uh, you know, pays pays to be a homer sometimes. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta. I mean, in all reality, though, it's it's uh you know when you look at when you look at the Eagles playing a backup quarterback, it's a lot easier to make that choice. Um, had Jimmy G been healthy, and and you know Kittle obviously was a go, and yeah. he had a huge game. Kittle was. Yeah, ah, man, if if you didn't already think he was the best tight end in the league, you probably should now. But um, yeah, if Jimmy G was healthy, it'd be a totally different outlook on this. You know, Nick Mullins really threw the game away. And uh, literally, it was, literally, like it was, a you know, that was the game, that difference right there. So I'm stoked. I'm excited. We're in first place in the <laughs> NFC East, the Eagles are. And uh, as shitty as the NFC East is, we'll touch on that a little bit when we get to winners and losers. But man, that's, you know, you look at the decision to, to accept the tie and you know, we touched on it, but that is the difference in uh, first place in the NFC East, which is pretty atrocious. But anyways, let's dive into NFL news. We have sort of two things to to cover here. Uh, I'm going to let one of you guys kick us off. Go for it. Well, I'll start because the only person who had a worse week than Nick Mullins is Bill O'Brien. <laughs> Fired uh, by Houston Texans after a rough 0-4 start. Uh, I think we're all unanimous in saying, thank God he's gone. I mean, he's been a, not a good coach and a worse general manager for the past how many years he's been there. And while it is early, usually coaches get more than four weeks uh, in a season, they weren't going anywhere. And you get a head start now on uh, your coaching search, which is a huge plus. Uh, especially in the year, I think there's not many elite coaches coming up. So get a head start, see what you got in-house. But uh, thank God for him leaving and Deshaun Watson has to be happy. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if – so Bill O'Brien was taking back the play-calling duties, um, and the, the Texans had not been very stellar on offense. So I don't know if, if Deshaun Watson is pumped uh, to have the same play-caller. I forget his name. Uh, uh, who Tim Kelly. It? Yeah, Tim, Tim Kelly. Kelly. Uh, continuing to call the plays. So I guess we'll see really if, if Bill O'Brien was holding him back and saying, like, no, you got to stay within my system and – call these kinds of plays or uh if it really was kind of tim kelly tanking that offense a little bit we'll see um and then romeo cornell has taken over as the interim head coach and i think he was planning to retire after this year yeah uh, like he's just a defensive advisor to to help patch uh, be a stopgap to, to help the new defensive coordinator come in and, and take over the defense so uh you know it, it really sort of opens 
things up. I don't think he's going to want the job even if they offered it to him. So it's really kind of a open door as to who can uh, take over the, the Texans. Yeah, and I'm going to touch on this when we get to winners and losers a little bit. Spoiler alert. Um, but, you know, this team, the season was done. The The only team in history to make the playoffs after going 0-4 is the 1992 San Diego Chargers. And no other team in the history of football has ever made the playoffs after losing four straight games to start the season. So I think this is the ownership kind of acknowledging that and then realizing this season, let's just salvage what we can, get a, get some draft picks, rebuild, bring in a new coach, and make the most of um, what we have with Deshaun uh, Watson. So I like the move. I'm not going to spoil my my uh, takes on it because we're gonna. I'll touch on it when we get to our winners and losers. But it was it was time. Well, well the only problem is they they don't have any draft picks yep, this year. I was just about to because say Bill O'Brien and GM traded them away. Traded the first and second round for for Laramie Tunsil, who led the year led the league last year in penalties overall for individual player had the most penalties yep. of anybody. So. Uh, Good job, B.O.B. Yeah, Miami but long term, though. Miami's looking good. Dude. Miami's going to be good in like two or three years. Yeah, And the worse the Texans do, the better that pick is. So they could exactly. have you know, yep. another top 10 pick there. Yep. Well, speaking of something that's not looking good, let's talk about the coronavirus and how that's impacted some of our games this past week. Um, I It almost impacted my fantasy games because I didn't have Derrick <laughs> yes. Henry. I almost didn't have yes. Tyreek Hill either. But... Um, Luckily, I pulled out both of my leagues and, and got the dub. We got the trifecta this week, fellas. Got the real-life football win, the two fantasy wins. This was the best week of the season thus far. <laughs> but it wasn't for the league as a whole, because a lot of question marks have come up about how they're handling it and what they're going to do. And I was reading an article that they're they're probably going to institute more serious penalties for teams that don't follow the rules as strictly, too, potentially involving uh, taking draft picks away, things along those lines. What do we think about this? I mean, what's going on, and, and how do we remedy this if at all i mean i think we should start with the titans i mean obviously there was the saints player uh their fullback burton who had a false positive who put that game in jeopardy like late saturday night for a sunday morning game so that was pretty stressful then cam newton getting uh covid but looks like the patriots are relatively i mean that's so far absolutely no cases besides him so that's two positives that you know that huge uh you know ramifications of those two things but the titans who knows what happened with them first of all i mean it could have been a guy going to a grocery store and getting coronavirus there's so much out there we don't know but this is going to happen eventually in the nfl like there's going to be an outbreak and it's going to probably happen again to be honest um hopefully not to this impact where it's going to cancel games but if you're just dealers you gotta be pretty pissed off because you did nothing wrong and now your bye week moves up to week four, which is super early. You got to play all these consecutive games in a row, 13 straight weeks. You got to play now. So that's not much rest for your players. And they instituted new rules where you can't leave during a bye week. A lot of guys will go back to their hometowns, go to their colleges, kind of get away from the game for a little bit. And now they can't. They got to stay and do uh, mandatory testing. So it's a tough spot to be in, obviously. I mean, the NFL... They can only do so much. You're dealing with 20-something, 30-something-year-old multi-millionaire guys who are going to do stupid things. It's, it's just going to happen. Uh, hopefully, they can find out through contact tracing what happened. And if they did break protocols, they have to be super severe with the punishment. They have to set a precedent. I mean, they did with the coaches, finding them tons of money. But if they've proven that a player uh, broke uh, protocol... 
they have to be really aggressive. And um, I don't know what they can do, but they got to be strong and severe with the punishment. Yeah, I mean, I think the main issue they're facing is that there's a latency in being able to be tested positive. You know, like the the turnaround time is not as fast as we might think. So it takes a day to get the, you know, the Monday morning test is not back until Tuesday morning or Monday evening. And by then they've already interacted with people. Um, and then in, you know, a lot of the Titans case, they may have had it going into the game and, and uh, playing with the Vikings and, and didn't know it because the test didn't come back soon enough. And that's how you get uh, these bubbles of people that are infected and they don't even know it. Um, so that's the main issue there, but I'm surprised the NFL hasn't just released like a contingency plan sort of statement of like, Hey, here's exactly what's going to happen. If you know, X, Y, Z amount of teams, uh, have to miss a a game, we're just going to add another bye week to the end. It seems like, you know, the NFL is very reactionary historically, instead of being proactive and, and trying to solve issues. Um, and it seems like they're doing it again right now. They're like, oh, someone, we got a a team that's infected. What do we do now? Do we add a a bye week? Do we do this? Do we that? Like, this should already have been planned out. Like, there should be, like, they should have a contingency plan every single week of like, okay, if this team can't go, when do they play? Uh, They're a billion-dollar industry. Like, there's no excuse to not have all these things set up for every single team every single week I, I just don't understand how they don't have these plans out there and, and readily available for teams to know what's exactly going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's crazy how fast this can, can essentially spread and almost shut down the entire season if it wants to. I mean, if they're not careful, the, the way that this virus is transmitted, I mean, this is going to be bad for the league as a whole. They're almost going to have to just stop play at some point if it, if it kind of gets out of hand. So I'm, I'm with you, Casey. I think there needed to be some pre-planning involved, and there might be, and we just don't aren't aware of it, and that's you know what ended up happening. Um, but like you said, the real issue is the latency between tests. So if if, if they had same day testing, which I don't think is is out of the realm of possibility, um, I don't know how feasible it is on a large scale, but I think that there is there is potential for that to be a thing. And if that's a thing, then it kind of alleviates a lot of these issues. But um, at the moment. If this doesn't get under control, it could it could represent a huge problem for the league moving forward as a whole. Um, so we'll see we'll see how that pans out. Um, hopefully, it doesn't impact the the season on a large scale, but um, it could it easily could. And this was something everybody knew going in. But let's see let's see what happens there. We'll keep an eye on it. Um, let's dive into our winners and losers of the past week. So this was a fun week. Um, well, for not for Durgan, but for, <laughs> yeah, for, 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 for me, it was fun. Casey, I know how to blast last night on Monday night. Um, let's dive into our winners and losers. Durgan, since uh, since you're very emotional about this past week, uh, we'll <laughs> let you start and, and get yours get yours going. Do you want to do yeah. your winner or your loser first? We'll, I'll, we'll, I'll, uh, I'll do the winners first. Let's do it. I'll do the winners first because I don't think the team is going to be a winner the rest of the year, but let's give them a shout-out. And that's right. the Carolina Panthers. Back-to-back wins for Matt Rule, first-year head coach. And he's starting to look like a really good hire. Maybe the best hire of the offseason so far. Still early, obviously. They're winning games without Christian McCaffrey. Huge. Defense has more holes than Swiss cheese. And there might be winning too many games to get a top three quarterback in the draft. Bridgewater has been solid, but I don't think he's a guy. Uh, I don't think he's a guy who's going to win you Super Bowl. But he's a good kind of stopgap guy. And you could, you could draft a guy this year and develop him. 
Teddy's a perfect guy to kind of lead him through the way. But we'll see what happens. But they got some receivers. Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore. Uh, obviously, McCaffrey, he's not playing, but he's a huge option. Mike Davis looks really good. And look at the rest of the division. You have the Falcons, who are an absolute mess. You have the Bucks, who have a two-year window. And then who knows after that what's going to happen with them. And then the Saints, who are in cap hell. After this year, they'll be negative $82 million in debt or over the cap. So they're going to blow up their team after this year. They're all in on this year. Yeah, you might struggle this year. You might struggle next year. If you play your cards right, you'll be on top sooner rather than later. Yeah, I I disagree with you thinking that they won't be winners the rest of the year. I came away super impressed. Plug for the video. It's going to be on Joe Brady and uh, sort of his spread schemes coming into the NFL and how that's working with the Panthers. But the Panthers, aside from the Chiefs, I think they have the fastest skill group in the NFL. I mean, they have three guys in DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, who are all 4-4 guys or under. And then you have Christian McCaffrey running a 4-4-9, and you put all those guys on the field at once, and you're you're in a lot of trouble as a defense because if you don't have speed to match that, um, you know they're going to run right by you. And and Joe Brady's doing a good job of maximizing that uh, speed horizontally versus vertically because Teddy Bridgewater, I'm with you on that one. I don't think he's the answer. I think he's sort of like a, a step below a Jimmy G. He's like not mm-hmm. quite a guy that can elevate and win a game for you where Jimmy G can. Um, but most of the time they're sort of middle tier game manager type guys. Um, so I think that's that's their big issue. Uh, they drafted all defense this last draft, um, and they beat a, a solid team in the Cardinals that we were you know pretty high on coming into the season, had a lot of hype, and uh, you know they beat them pretty thoroughly. Like that yeah. game was never even very close. Um, they always had a, a solid cushion there. So I think they're gonna you know make a little bit of noise. Right now they're you know right at the top of the division the bucks are three and one but they're right there with the saints uh the falcons are in a distant fourth um but if, if they can hang around and, and be there at the end you know you, you never know uh, they're they're playing efficient football and they're they're moving the ball on offense and uh you know we'll see how the season ends up but so far i'm pretty impressed with the panthers yeah, I'm I'm impressed as well. And you know, Teddy Bridgewater, while you, while he's not going to go out and win you the game, it also kind of looked like he wasn't going to go out and lose you the game either, which is really what what is more important. And when I think about um, a, sort of a game manager, mid tier quarterback, I, I thought Teddy Bridgewater played really well. I mean, two touchdowns, he had a rushing touchdown. Um, you know, Ky- this team, this Arizona team, is good, but they're going to go as Kyler Murray goes. And Kyler Murray played really bad last week. He played okay this past week. I mean, he had three touchdowns. Um, it just wasn't inspiring as, as you, you would like to expect from Kyler Murray. But this, I mean, if you're Matt Rule, you're excited. Like, this was a pretty big statement win, in my in my opinion. Like, the, the NFC West, every team is good. Cardinals are legit. Um, the roster has talent on it. So this was a big win. And, and to do it without your best player, um, Christian McCaffrey, I think it says something. I think it says that the, the Panthers, while they're not a playoff contender necessarily, you can't count them off as an easy win every week. Um so, uh, yeah, I was impressed for sure. Um, let's transition to you, Casey. Who do you have as a winner? I've got Cyrus's favorite dark horse team in the world, <laughs> the Cleveland Browns. Woo! Uh, you know, Kevin Stefanski is now three and one in four games, and Hugh Jackson was three thirty six and one uh, in his previous tenure with the with the Browns before Stefanski came in and uh, Kitchens was there. Um, so it's it's really kind of amazing what 
uh, using your guys in the right spot and in the right ways uh, can do for your team. Um, even when Kitchens was there, he was hailed as a guy that was, you know, fixed that Browns offense when he was uh, taken over as OC when Hugh Jackson left. Um, but uh, he didn't use his guys in the correct way. And you see that now with Stefanski using that run game, maybe the best run game in, in the league uh, next to the Ravens. Uh, it hurts that Chubb is, has gone down a little bit, um, makes them a little bit less dynamic. But Kareem Hunt's a really good running back. Good signing for them um, and sort of an insurance policy there. And uh, he can definitely get the job done. But once that running game gets going, they have OBJ and they have Landry. And, you know, the Dallas secondary is not good, but they still put up 49 points on them. And that's, you know, that's nothing to shake your head at or, or scoff at. And the, the Browns are really just rolling right now. Like they're, they're starting to click and they have a good defensive line. Miles Garrett is playing well. Um, you know, it's they're not the old Cleveland Browns anymore, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, shaking that title, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I like what I saw, and I hope this is a sign of things to come just in general. Maybe not the same volume and same amount of points week in, week out, but OBJ finally getting involved. He had a three-touchdown game, one really, really long-ass run on an end-around. Man, it was good to see him like look like he was having fun out there on the field again because it has been years, I feel like. Uh, and man, glad I drafted him in fantasy. <laughs> well, uh, the, cure to, so the cure to any offensive woes is playing the Dallas defense. Uh, they look great, though. I mean, you give them credit. Even without Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt looks awesome. Bad Dallas defense is terrible. But good for the Browns. First time to 3-1, seems like since Vietnam. So can't, can't uh, crap on the Browns anymore. They're no longer like the joke for the time being. For the time They've, being. Let's, yeah. let's let them prove it. Yeah, give, yeah. give it, give it a few weeks. Give it a few weeks. Yeah. They've risen out of the toilet bowl for, for now. Yeah. For now, temporarily. They're on the fringe. Yeah. You know, They could easily go back down into the toilet bowl range, but for now we'll it, keep them out. OBJ wants to be back in the toilet bowl. So. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's, that's a nice, true. nice uh, joke there. If you don't get that, um, <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't look it, it up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to my winner. So my winner, you know, while Bill O'Brien was a loser, I think the Texans as a whole – are a winner for finally moving on um, from Bill O'Brien. I think this is a new era in Texas, and the Texans are better off for it. That being said, you know, Bill O'Brien gets a lot of hate, but he is the only uh, head coach in Texans history to have a winning record. So he did he did some good things. That's not to say he's the guy, though. This kind of reminds me of like a Andy Reid leaving Philadelphia, but with less success situation where it's just time to part ways and, and move on and, and bring in some new blood and they're doing that. And I think it's, it's going to be exciting. Like if I was a Texans fan, I'd be excited. Um, barring, you know, watching Deandre Hopkins on another team or watching the draft that's coming off season where they don't have their first or second round pick, but there's a lot of talent out there, and I think it's a good time to be looking for a head coach. And they're going to get a head start on some other teams, maybe like the Falcons or or other teams that that uh, will be needing a head coach. So when I look at people out there that I might be interested in, I mean, you got Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs, the offensive coordinator, who's done a phenomenal job with Mahomes. You've got Josh McDaniels. I don't know what's going on with him. Do you even trust him to to offer him a job at this point, or maybe he just accepts it and then burns you and sticks with the Pats? Who knows? 
you got Greg Roman, Ravens offensive coordinator. I like bringing in an offensive-minded guy, pair him with Deshaun Watson, revitalize his career. I mean, he has the juice. He's got the talent. You got to get him the right guy to, to scheme him and, uh, and, and put him in a, a position to succeed. But if you really like a defensive coach, if you're the McNair family, I mean, Robert Sala, great candidate from the Niners. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you look towards college. Dabo Swinney, don't think he leaves Clemson, but uh, Lincoln Riley, but Casey's favorite he, guy, also, <laughs> a good, also a good choice. Well, after this weekend, I don't know if uh, Lincoln Riley will be getting too many calls owing to Oklahoma, but Dabo Swinney did coach Deshaun Watson in college and true. compared him to Michael Jordan. So if no. Dabo Swinney is going to leave college, it is going to be with Deshaun Watson. By the point you made about getting a head start in a coaching search, because let's look at the jobs that will probably be available this offseason. Get the Falcons, the Lions, the Jets, Jets. for sure. Yeah. And then after that, I mean, they had Jaguars, maybe, Bengals, maybe. But those are the four that seemingly for sure will be open. And you have no draft picks, but you have a franchise quarterback. So you get your head start and look at guys who can win with what you have. Because you don't got much cap space. You have no influx young talent coming in. So whoever you pick as a coach, and with the amount you're paying Deshaun Watson, you have to decide, okay, do we want to totally blow it up, which you shouldn't do because you have some actual talent in place, need to still fill the mm-hmm. roster, but you have some talent there. So who's going to be the guy that's going to get the most out of this roster? And I think it's Eric Bieniemy. I mean, he, he's the guy. He's run that Kansas City system with Deshaun Watson and put up a lot of points. I mean, defenses uh, won't be good regardless, but if you're a lot of points, then... Yeah, who cares about defense? Yeah, I think he would probably be the favorite at this point. Um, and Eric Bieniemy's contract is up after this year with the Chiefs too. Um, not that they wouldn't want him back, but uh, it's sort of a built-in situation for him to go explore head coaching opportunities and, and potentially get the job with the Texans. And I think uh, if you were going to pick franchises out of the ones that you listed, uh, if I was a head coach going into a situation, I'd probably prefer the Texans over all those guys. Um, so uh, it seems like it might be a good fit. We will see, though. It's it's very early, and uh, you know Josh McDaniels is struggling a little bit on the offensive side with the with the Patriots, so he might sort of fall out of favor. Um, but I think it's got to be an offensive guy because if you get a defensive coach, um, you know your offensive coordinator is just going to get poached for a, a head coaching job yep. if you guys do well. So um, that would be the way I lean, at least. One name yeah. to look out for. One name to look out for. Brian Dable. Dable, I think that's how you pronounce yeah, it. Dable. Offense coordinator Buffalo. of the Bills. Yeah. He's developed yep. Josh Allen. Uh, I mean, you don't need to develop John Watson, but another young offensive mind to keep in mind. Yeah. He's definitely on the short list, I'd imagine. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, they, they need a GM as well. Because remember, Bill O'Brien was one of the that's few right. coaches who handled both those. I think it was him, Belichick, and... Is Ron Rivera on the Redskins? Is he the GM right now, too? I think he might be. It's a good question. Yeah, I think he is. I, I'm not 100% sure on that. Don't quote me. But um, very few coaches are. It's not becoming a tradi- like a common thing. So I think that's where the Texans should head next. They should find a, a really, really good, solid GM. Kind of model it after like what the Niners did, maybe. And uh, bring in two guys together who are like-minded and can work together um, to sort of rebuild this team even though you really don't have any top draft picks there's other ways that you can you can bring in talent so uh, the the future is bright in texas i think for the texans and and you know 
it's it's going to be a shit season. Like, there's no way around that. You're 0 4 right now. It's probably not going to get much better. Excuse me, with Cornell at the at the helm, but I think uh, the future's bright. Let's yeah, move on. Agreed. Losers. <clears throat> Losers. Durgan, tell us Let who the go, future yeah, is not that, bright for. <laughs> Nick Mullins. I have never seen a guy cost himself tens of millions of dollars like he did on Sunday Night Football. Look at a few guys in the past. I'm, I'm probably forgetting a few. There are a few quarterbacks who have cost, who have earned themselves, excuse me, lots of money based on a short sample size. Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, his knee was literally exploded. Has five good games to the Saints. $20 million a year. Chase Daniel. Terrible quarterback, by all means. Has like a game or two that looks decent in. $20 million deal. Matt Flynn, Casey's guy. Yeah. Packer legend. Before Russell, Wilson, before Russell Wilson got to uh, the, the Seahawks, he was supposed to be the guy. And that was 2012. He signed a three years, $20 million deal for like yeah. two games. Three games being good. Not great, it's good. So if Nick Mullins won this game and played even 75% as well as he did against the Giants the week before, he's a free agent after this year. He would have gotten paid by somebody, whether he deserved it or not. Somebody would have paid him. Now he's in a backup quarterback battle with C.J. Beathard. I don't know who's going to start this for Niners, but I, you can't go back to Mullins. I mean, that guy's confidence is shot. So I got to feel for the guy. Uh, I mean... Uh, actually, I don't like Phil from at all because screw him. He cost the Niners a win for his terrible play. But, man, you cost yourself a lot of money, young man. A lot of money. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for him. He, you know, it looked like someone shot his dog on the sideline. He just looked like he was about to cry. Um, and, uh, you know, my mind went back to who was the uh, kicker that replaced Robbie Gold uh, a while ago last oh, season? Chase McLaughlin. Yeah, well, Chase he also blew it on primetime television yeah. against, I, I think, yep. the Seahawks when he yep. kicked the ball into the fucking tunnel. Sideways, straight yeah. sideways. <laughs> and uh, here you are with uh, Nick Mullins in a primetime game. Um, you know, he probably wishes he threw that ball into the tunnel instead nice. of into the waiting arms of that Eagles linebacker who I'd never heard of in my life. Alex Singleton. Um, yep. Props to Alex Singleton. He made the mo- he made the most of his opportunity when he got on the field. Um, even though it was a little bit of a gimme, he still had to catch it and he still had to run and break a, like half a tackle on the way to the end zone. So I mean, to, uh, to be fair, any of us could have caught that ball and ran in for a touchdown. So congrats to him for that. But I mean, he silver platter. Here you go. Here you go, son. Here's your career first career touchdown and my blank check that I had going into the off season. My life's yeah. over. You know, it's not ideal, but, uh, yeah, it is what it is. I think someone will pick him up and give him a shot. I, I don't think I mean, that's going to be, like, a career ruiner. He's just a career no, backup, but that's what we sort of yeah. expected him to be in, in the beginning. And, and by all accounts, I, I don't think – I think he's better than C.J. Beathard because he's mentally there. You usually understand the offense. And people call him a robot. People think that he just – all he does is football, football, football. So when he showed emotion on the sideline, that's what I'm like, okay, this guy is – done like he he needs time to rebuild his confidence yeah yeah quick shout out to uh brandon Ayuk, one of my favorite draft picks Woo-hoo. from uh, the draft yeah. Yeah, the great play amazing amazing play uh hurtling one of our dbs and just embarrassing them on that touchdown run 
that was dope. Just wanted to give a quick shout out. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Nick Mullins good. threw the ball to Alex Singleton as if it was his receiver, and it was pretty bad. That cost the game right there. I mean, it was a it was a five point game. So without that pick six, you're probably winning. The Niners are probably winning. Oh, so yeah. that yeah, I mean, I agree with Casey. You looked at him on the sideline, you couldn't help but feel bad. The guy was just distraught, and you could see him just his career flashing before his eyes or something. But uh, yeah, great, great, uh, great win for the Eagles who are now in first place. <laughs> so I'll take oh, it. Man. I will take it. Uh, Casey, give us your loser. Yeah, I'll make mine kind of quick because I don't think they're a long-term loser, but the Patriots. No Cam Newton, big problem for those guys. Uh, clearly, Brian Hoyer is not the answer, and clearly Jared Stidham is also not the answer. Um, that offense just looked anemic and I know the chiefs are good and I know they were under difficult circumstances. Um, but you know, 10 points is not going to cut it. And they're now two and two, the bills are four and and it looks like they're rolling. So being able to catch them is going to probably be pretty tough. Um, so you, you've got an uphill battle now with an offense that really lacks skill guys. And that's sort of what we've talked about the whole, the whole way through. And if Cam Newton gets banged up again, you know, all of a sudden we're looking at our nightmare scenario where the Patriots are competing for a pick for uh, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, which I don't think anybody in the NFL wants to see. So um, hopefully Cam Newton comes back soon. Um, I think they have the Broncos here and then a bye week. So after that, I would imagine he's back. But well, uh, apparently not he might be back this week. He might be back this week, oh, really? apparently. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how any coronavirus, how it works, to be honest, at this point. I thought I did, but I don't anymore after this weekend. Uh, but you're right. If they had Cam Newton, they would have beaten the Chiefs, I think. Because they, they should have uh, scored. At the, at, at the end of the half, they should have scored. Hoyer did fumble like a couple and then times pick, fumble. in scoring position. Yep. Mm-hmm. But. Well, you know, yeah, it, hindsight is twenty twenty, but there's no way to know for sure. I mean. Yeah, fair enough. I will say, you know, this team is totally different without Cam Newton. And maybe, I don't know if it's really without Cam Newton or with Brian Hoyer, whatever way you want to look at it. But this team was not the team that we were used to seeing. Um, And they didn't really stand a chance. Like in the beginning, I was like, oh, the Pats defense is doing solid. But they just couldn't get anything going on offense the entire game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's more competitive if Cam Newton's back. But at the same time, I mean, we've seen the Chiefs kick it into fifth gear as well when they need to and i don't even think they really needed to in this game so i yeah hopefully cam Newton's back because this team needs him desperately the, the dynamic the way they play everything is just totally different so um we'll see yeah finish us off cyrus you're just in a gleeful week this week i, think, I am in a gleeful <laughs> you know. gleeful week and as such i shall pick the cowboys as my loser more specifically their defense Um, And I'm going to give a little monologue as to why. So before this year, the all-time record for most passing yards in a team's first four games was 1,557, set by none other than Kurt Warner in 2000. Um, He threw seven interceptions in those four games, but the Rams were 4-0. So he was lighting it up. You know, every other team in the top six in in history um, were 4-0 or 3-1. This season, Dak Prescott has beaten that record that Kurt Warner set. He has thrown 1,690 yards through the first four games. Uh, And Sunday, he threw for his career high. He had 502 yards and four touchdowns, which is amazing. The guy is absolutely balling out. 
um, you know, third game in a row, I think, with 450 yards, which is phenomenal. They, they should not walk away from him. They sh- he's earned more money, if anything. Um, so despite all that, the Cowboys are coming in at one and three, which is absurd. This defense is literally the worst defense in the league at this point, if you look at everything. I mean, maybe not statistically, but come on. Like, dude, this is an embarrassment. Sunday, they allowed 307 rushing yards, uh, most by any team since 2018, and the most in Cowboys franchise history. Um, So you look at a team like Cleveland, Nick Chubb goes down, you're the Cowboys, you're thinking, great, maybe we won't give up 300 rushing yards. Nope. You got a guy named Ernest Johnson, who I didn't even know who he was, (laughs) and he only rushed for like 100 rushing yards so it's it's just discouraging man i mean you look at dallas through the first four games they're allowing 36.5 points per game the worst defense in the history of football was the 1966 giants and they allowed 35.8 points per game granted that was during a whole season but this is not a good look if you're the dallas defense your defense is losing you games at this point um you know prescott it's true his numbers Part of the reason they're so good is because of the bad defense, so you're throwing the ball a lot. But at the same time, I mean, you cannot you cannot deny that this team, the way it's structured, is wasting the brilliance and the talent that that team has that they have on offense. Uh, and it's it's unfortunate. I mean, if you're if you're a Cowboys fan, it's really unfortunate. Prescott is leading back-to-back touchdown drives in the span of nine minutes to keep Dallas in games in this game specifically, and the Cowboys D responds by giving up a, a 50-yard touchdown run to OBJ. Uh, on the very first play. So I, I don't know. I'm just, if you're a Cowboys fan, you have to be like very confused and on a roller coaster that is this season because man, like it, it's, it's the same old, same old in Dallas. Like you looked at last year, the story, the narrative was this team is playing well, but losing games. And that's exactly what they're doing this year, except it's the defense that's costing them drastically. Yeah, well, the good news is Mike McCarthy is used to having no defense on his teams. So uh, he's uh, right back in form, scoring a lot of points on offense and uh, having his defense let him down over and over again. Um, I do disagree with his onside kick, I think, um, especially the way that they kicked it. You already did that once against the Falcons, and you tried another little spinny thing um, uh, or, or trickeration type of onside kick and i think you had enough time to just kick it deep you're only down by three and uh i know your defense has been giving up a lot of points but you know giving them the ball on the 50 yard line is uh kind of asking for for trouble if you don't recover a, a very low percentage play this year on the onside kick so um like like durgan kind of said the cure for a a, a woe woeful offense is the dallas defense if you need a, a fix me up go play dallas and they'll make you feel yeah. real good about yourself Jeez. I mean, the only guy inspiring any confidence on that defense is Alden Smith, who hasn't played in the league in, like, five years. So, Jalen Smith looks terrible now. Uh, he got his contract, got his money, and he's been absolutely awful as of late. I don't know what to do about them. I love the Cowboys. Every year, preseason, I hype them up, <laughs> and they let me down every year. I can't believe it. I mean, I, I'm actually, actually, I should believe it because it's Cowboys, and they're America's team quote-unquote but yeah they're bad yeah that secondary is not good that pass rush that marcus lawrence isn't as good as he once was isn't worth the money they get they can still turn around they have talent it's not like they don't have the guys as coaching mike nolan sucks and they just gotta wake up and look themselves in the mirror like all uh, right guys 
let's give up 28 points today instead of 35. We might <laughs> Absolutely. Win. The NFC East is theirs to lose, no question. I mean, you look at the roster talent, they're hands down the best team on paper. Um, they have much less injuries than the Eagles, who are basically just shattered and somehow in first place despite their awful, awful play from, from Carson Wentz. And uh, you got Dak Prescott literally setting records, and your team is one and three and in second place. So I... I don't really know what the remedy is. I mean, at this point in the season, like you're not going to find impact players to bring onto that defense, but something needs to change. Um, they're just lucky that they're in the NFC, NFC, NFC least, I'll call it, um, as they did on the broadcast. Because, man, like in any other division, you, you go one and three like this, and you really don't have a shot at that point. In in the NFC East, you're right in it. You're in the hunt for the, for that division. So they they need to figure something out quick, though. They can't keep losing games i mean imagine if they if they dropped that game to the falcons and didn't have that comeback mm, not good they'd yeah. be zero and four and it'd be even worse i yeah. mean i don't even know what the narrative and the storyline is about mike mccarthy and the coaching at that point but um this is not a good start for a team that had a lot of hype coming in i agree locally their schedule gets easier three of the four next games are against nfc least opponents so Yep. If they're going to make a move, it's now or never. Yeah. You can't drop those, essentially, at this point. No. So Mm-mm. if they do, they're in trouble. We'll see what happens. Um, let's dive into the games of the week. We have week five coming up. Let's start with the Buccaneers at the Bears. Durgan, what do you think shakes out in this game coming up? Yes. Uh, first off, the slate of games this week might be the worst we've had so far this season. So we're doing one less than the normal because there are no good games pretty much. But Bears, Bucks, a decent Thursday night football game by their standards. Um, but I got Bucks 27, Bears 17. Nick Foles came and went faster than Usain Bolt in 100-meter dash. I looked so good two weeks ago. Looked so bad this past week. Their offense is so lethargic. They have Allen Robinson out wide, who's a baller. But Montgomery, running back, I think he's good. But he hasn't produced. They have no second receiver. Jimmy Graham's on that team, which right there, that's your uh, problem. Uh, they, they, they don't inspire anybody on offense. Defense, still solid, but ultimately, doesn't matter who's playing receiver for Tom Brady. He's getting it done. Their top four guys at receiver are questionable this week, which isn't good. But at Bucks defense, led by my guy, AFC Rookie of the Month, Antoine Winfield Jr., will shut down this Bears offense. Bears have a lot of problems uh, scoring the ball. I don't think it'd be that close. Yeah, you know, I I picked the Bears last week against the Colts, and I think there's a famous saying in Tennessee or Texas, and it's it goes something like like fool me once, shame on shame on you. Fool me, you can't get fooled again. And uh, the Bears aren't going to fool me again. So I know it was a short week with Foles being inserted as the starter. And he hasn't had a ton of reps, but dude, that offense was anemic. Like they scored three points up until garbage time at the end. And the Colts have one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, might be time to put some respect on that that yep. team's defense, along with the Steelers. Um, the Bucks love to throw pick sixes. That might be uh, Tom Brady's thing now, but even so, I don't think they're going to be able to uh, keep up with that offense. Um, and I have the Bucks winning thirty to ten. Yep, right there with you. Foles, 
shows his inconsistencies again. That's been the story throughout his career. You know, I love the guy. He got me my Super Bowl. Can't hate on him. But <laughs> he is inconsistent as a starter. And it's just the way it is. And, you know, glad he got paid and everything. But really kind of bringing up the question marks again that we had, why did the Bears really trade for him? I'm not sure it's much of an upgrade. And he showed that this week. So, I mean... It's hard to pick against the Bucks in this one. Tom Brady had five touchdowns last week. He looks like he's coming on, and they're missing like one of their best wide receiver um, in Chris Godwin. So we'll see. We'll see. But I'm pretty sure the Bucks kind of take this handedly. Uh, I'm going to say Bucks 27, Bears 14, um, and it feels like Tampa Bay just has a little bit more momentum coming into this one, and the Bears are kind of reeling and trying to figure out what the problems are. So also shout out Herbert. Bucks played the Chargers last week. Herbert looks, looks good. good, man. Like yeah, I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised. Um, and he looked, yeah, he looks solid. Anyways, let's move on to the next game. We got Bills at the Titans. Durgan, hit us. So, so we're assuming this game's gonna be played. Uh, but the question: Who's gonna sue for the Titans? We all we all know who's gonna be on their active roster. Uh, they have like 14 guys on the COVID list or something crazy like that. But the guys who will play will be rested, and in theory, have a week and a half to prep for this game. As long as Derrick Henry is suited up and playing, the Titans will keep this close, but not close enough to beat Josh Allen as he continues his MVP campaign. Defense for the Titans will cause turnovers, but ultimately I think that passing attack of the Bills wins it at the end, 28-24 Buffalo. Yeah, I think the Bills are going to be a little bit too much for the Titans. You know, we, we talked last week uh, when we were talking about the Titans' potential game against the Steelers that the Titans really haven't won any games convincingly. They've been in sort of dogfights uh, that have come down to the last couple drives, even against bad teams like the Broncos. Um, so, and the Bills sort of have everything except for a pass rush. They have elite play in the secondary. I think Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are maybe the best uh, safety duo in the league. You have Trey White outside. Uh, Josh Allen is balling and he, he's playing smart football. He's not having any of those uh, wild laterals that he likes to throw. Um, he's been in tight, you know, intense pressure games uh, and he's been poised and calm. And uh, it's cool to see that evolution from him, uh, even though he still has some mechanical issues and, and misses some, some throws pretty badly a couple, a couple times a game. Um, he's still getting better. Uh, and that's for me the the coolest thing to see is, is seeing guys take that sort of that leap forward and, and fix some issues that they had. So I'm going with the Bills, 30 to 17. Um, I'm waiting for T- Tannehill to look uh, sort of like he did last year, and I haven't seen that yet where he can uh, dice people up and, and win a game for them. Because um, right now it just seems like it's the Derrick Henry show, and, and Derrick Henry hasn't been as stellar as we're used to seeing he's still playing really well but uh i gotta go with the bills bills in this one yeah this was a tough one for me um i am not as high on the bills as both of you guys i will never i told you i texted you guys i will die on the josh allen as average hill and (laughs) i think he will kind of regress to the mean a little bit but the problem is that i think josh allen at the mean plus the way the bills are playing around him still beats the Titans. And the reason for that, I think, is the Tennessee defense has been lackluster this year. They're allowing the 22nd most pass yards per game and the 29th most rush yards per game this season so far in four games. So, or in three games, they didn't play. But in three games, they've been not good on defense. And I think the Bills are in a good position to exploit that with Josh Allen throwing the ball a bit better and then also just them liking the run. So 
I had a tough time because I'd like to see Tennessee do well. I have Derrick Henry on my fantasy team, so I'm a little biased. But I got to, as, as Durgan always says, got to put my big J journalist hat on. There you and, go. Uh, <laughs> there I you can't go. pick against the Bills in this one. And, you know, this might be, um, this is one of the better teams the Bills have faced. They almost gave up a game to the Rams, but, I mean, otherwise they've faced, they faced the Jets and they beat them by 10. Um, and then what else? They faced Miami, who they beat Dolphins, by three, yeah. barely. And then they faced the Raiders, who they beat by a touchdown. So they've been in some close games. This could be a test. This could be this could be another close game, and I think it is. But I think the Bills win 24-21 to 21, um, against Tennessee, purely because of the Tennessee defense. So uh, we'll see. Let's move on to our next game. We've got the Raiders at the Chiefs. Durgan, what do you think happens? I enjoy nothing more than seeing the Raiders lose. 42-21, Chiefs win. Mahomes has been great every other game so far this year, which means he's due for a big game against a banged-up and already weak Raiders secondary. I think he throws for over 400 yards, four touchdowns. Chiefs defense playing pretty well. They'll get pressure on Derek Carr, who uh, also has kind of some banged-up offs to the offensive line. Henry Ruggs has been out as well. I'm not a big fan of him personally. I'm like Casey, who's that's his that's his guy, but this Chiefs are too much. All the Chiefs at home, where they just don't seem to lose. Yeah, I mean, I I, I feel the same way about Mahomes. It's it, two out of the last three weeks now he hasn't played spectacularly, and that team as a whole played pretty poorly against the the Chargers, and uh, they were definitely not in perfect form against the the Patriots on Monday night. So I, I think the Raiders are going to play them tough, and they're going to keep it closer than, than people might think. Um, and I think the Raiders are overall a good team. They're, they're just, uh, you know, they're missing a couple pieces on offense right now. They're a little beat up at the receiver position. Um, Darren Waller hasn't been as dominant as he was to start the season. Uh, Josh Jacobs has been bottled up a little bit, except for that week one where he uh, exploded for like three touchdowns and over 100 yards. And uh, it might sound weird to say now, but Carr is sort of the bright spot of that offense. Like he's kept them in games that, uh, you know, the rest of the team seems to try to be giving up Um, against the Bills. He kept them in the game and and they were going toe to toe for a while. Uh, Same thing with the Patriots. And, uh, you know, I think he's playing well overall. Uh, but that Chiefs defensive line is going to attack their offensive line. Their offensive line is really struggling for the Raiders. And uh, without a run game and a way to con- control the clock and play possession football like John Gruden wants to, the Raiders, Raiders are ultimately not going to be able to finish that game out and are going to lose to the Chiefs. So I have the Chiefs winning 24-20. to 20. Yep, I can't pick against the Chiefs. Um, you know, the season started, I they, they beat, the Raiders did, they beat the Panthers. I had my foot sort of halfway in the bandwagon then they came out and they beat new orleans and i just took a seat fully in the bandwagon uh with casey <laughs> too he invited too me quick. Yeah. casey was like hey yeah. i got a seat here in this bandwagon you want to join me and i joined him um then they lost to new england and i kind of slowly put my foot outside the bandwagon and then this loss to the bills just hopped off i'm not on the raiders bandwagon anymore <laughs> they are a solid team but i don't think they're going to be able to beat the chiefs they just don't have the roster talent and they're not gonna they're not a come from behind uh team in my opinion i think that's the position they're going to be in so until i see some more from henry ruggs until i see some some really dynamic plays down the field um consistently i don't think that they'll be able to compete with the chiefs uh so i'm gonna say chiefs win pretty easily 36 to 24 um 
But I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders play well. I just don't think they'll be able to beat the Chiefs. So, yeah. You with me? You with me, Casey? Um, I'm, I knock on wood if you're yeah, with, with, with you. Me. And uh, I'm knocking on wood. Nice. Love it. That's from uh, Last Chance U. Uh, let's go to... Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks. No, that's from... Isn't that from Laney Hard. College? No, that was from no, Gruden. That's, that's, from, Gruden. That's, that's Gruden. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Gruden. Yeah. Yeah, what a what a dork. Uh, let's go. <laughs> let's go to the next game. We got the Colts at the Browns. This actually might be one of the more exciting ones. Uh, I was about to say this would be the best game of the week, in my opinion, uh, which is kind of crazy. Looking at the past of the Colts and the Browns, two pretty irrelevant franchises. They take away uh, Peyton Manning's years. But that being said, I think the Colts win a close game, 24-21. Browns offense is getting better, like we said before. They play the Cowboys defense, so we don't really know actually if they are good. No Nick Chubb. He's out for a few weeks, but Kareem Hunt looks great. So I can't discount that. But ultimately, the Browns are my, or excuse me, the Colts are my preseason AFC championship team. Or at least making it to that game. So I'm back in their bandwagon. Number one scoring defense. Fewest yards per game. Their offense is pretty good at controlling the clock. Phillip Rivers, high completion percentage. Still... Philip Rivers, where he turns the ball over when he shouldn't. Uh, still waiting for Jonathan Taylor to have a breakout game, but eventually it's going to happen. I think the Colts are a better coached unit than the Browns, even though Stefanski's been great. But I'm a big Frank Wright guy. Their defense is humming right now. Give me the Colts in a close game. Yeah, I, you know, I love Frank Reich. I really like Jonathan Taylor. I really like that defense. I just cannot get past Philip Rivers. I, I, he can't push the ball down the field right now. He has a high completion percentage, but he's throwing those underneath stuff. He is what people think Drew Brees is right now. Um, he, he's throwing those easy completions, and uh, that works when you can run the ball and you have a great defense, and that's sort of been their formula. Um, but I just don't trust him. I, I don't trust him to be able to win me a game. And if that defense uh, doesn't play as, as well as it has in the past or the, the Browns get up on them a little bit, it's going to take him out of his game. And if he has to go win a game, he's going to do what Phillip Rivers always does. He's going to keep them in the game and then throw an interception on the and last drive to yep. lose it. Uh, so I, I think the Browns have some mojo. They're feeling themselves a little bit. They've throw, scored over 30 points in three straight games. Uh, and, uh, you know, OBJ is happy. Landry's happy. Baker Mayfield's happy doing commercials. Uh, Nick Chubb is not happy because he's injured. But everyone else on that team is happy. Miles Garrett isn't swinging his helmet at anybody. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going with the Browns 28-21 to 21 over the Colts. Yep. Just as I hopped out of the Raiders bandwagon, I have f- cemented my seat in the Browns bandwagon. Seatbelt locked, <laughs> ready to go. Um, you know, I think this might be a tougher matchup than people realize. The Colts' run defense is really good. They've been fourth ranked this this year through four games um, in yards yards per game, rush yards per game allowed. So I don't think that that favors the Browns necessarily. Baker's going to have to make some plays through the air, and I but. I liked what I saw from this team, man. I really liked what I saw. They look dynamic. It's the kind of the first time, you know, even though they're three and one, it's the kind of the first time I can remember in recent history that they've played at such a dynamic level. And this will be interesting to see if that's just because of how bad the Cowboys defense has been, which we touched on, or if the Browns are kind of turning the corner and able to find something that works on offense. Um, because the Colts defense is pretty good. It's it's not the best in the league by any means, but it's better than the Cowboys. So we'll 
we'll see what happens but i'm gonna take the browns i'm 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 a believer um in this team and stefanski so i'm gonna take the browns 37 colts 27 one thing to note if the browns or as we the colts win this game and shut down that browns offense look for a matt eberfluss defense coordinator of the colts to be circulated for a head coaching job because he came from the cowboys a few years ago when they were actually somewhat decent mm. So he comes from there, their linebacker coach, to the Colts, and he's building a good defense with DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard and Justin Houston, who are all very good players, but none of those guys are actual superstars. So he's doing this without huge name players. So if he can shut down a potent Browns offense that just put up, what, 40-plus against the Cowboys, hold them to, you know, 17 or 21, they to watch out for. Yeah, good call. There you go. That's my guy now. Matt Eberfluss. What a name. Let's move on to our toilet bowl of the week with that. <laughs> um, we have an interesting one because there's some storylines here. But we have the Jags at the Texans. Um, so this will be uh, this will be interesting to see what happens just because the Texans obviously have kind of made uh, made some changes. But what do we think happens here, guys? So Watson is finally free. First game. Without uh, Bill O'Brien against the second coming of Ryan Fitzpatrick, a.k.a. Gardner Minshew. Jags are still a bad team. And Texans have a lot more talent. But Jags are scrappier. Much scrappier. So they'll keep it close. But it'll be 28-27 Houston. Yeah, I think the Texans are just a little bit too talented. And uh, now that Bill O'Brien is out of the way, uh, you know, I think the Texans are going to take it. Uh, the Jaguars showed a little bit more life with DJ Chark back last last mm-hmm. week, um, but they, they really are struggling to, to stop teams from scoring and to put together consistent drives on offense. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to be able to keep pace, even if the, the Texans' offense isn't uh, full of fireworks and high scoring. Uh, so I'm going to take the Texans 24-16, to 16, and uh, Gardner Minshew, you gotta you know pull out some of that magic like you did in Week One, because otherwise the, the Jaguars are gonna be hurtling towards uh, taking your replacement here, dude. Yeah, um, I don't know where that Minshew magic went, but it'd be nice to see that come back. That being said, I don't know that it does, and I'm gonna take the Texans in a blowout win, 37 to 21. I think Bill O'Brien acts as sort of a sacrificial lamb. And somehow the Texans come in with new life and we see a huge performance and Deshaun Watson comes out and says, like, this is my team. This is my game. Winning this, not letting us lose. We see some Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks down the field. Uh, David Johnson, 100-yard rushing game, maybe 50 yards receiving. I think they come out and they own the Jaguars and this is a sort of a get-right game on what has been an atrocious season for them. Um, And kind of just have fun out there for the first time in a little while. I think, you know, maybe this coaching change will act sort of as like a weight lifting off of this team's shoulders um you know metaphorically obviously but i I, i'm I'm excited to see what happens i think with tim kelly still calling the plays there may be the chance that that doesn't happen and we just see sort of the same shit that we've seen this season but i also feel like watch out here come the texans you know (laughs) what i mean like they're gonna kind of complete the storyline of bill o'brien was the one holding them back by coming out and balling against the Jags, even though it is the Jags. But that'll be exciting to see. Before we wrap it up here on episode 59, do either of you have any final thoughts that you would like to share with the listeners? 
Yeah, I, I do have a, a question for both of you. If you okay, can you just finish the the, the team name? Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars. Jaguars or Jaguars? Jaguars. Jagu- Jaguars. Jag- you both are Jaguar. Wrong. I said Jaguars. You're Jaguar. You were saying a little bit Jaguars. Jaguars. Jackson- Jacksonville. Heard a little Jaguars. Jacksonville Jaguars. No, that's Durgan. wrong. Not, again. Not, not, <laughs> that not is the Jaguars. Wrong, not the Jaguars. Jaguars. We're not saying Jaguars. We're saying Jaguars. 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 <laughs> Jaguars. Maybe put like a Twitter poll out if you can. I don't know how, how that would work, but Jacksonville this, Jaguars. They make them yeah. the Jacksonville Jags. In the Jags. Make it easier. I'm, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Yeah. Jacksonville Jags. Jack- make them just the Jacksonville Minshews. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> the mustaches. Yeah. Yeah, let's wrap things up there, though, on episode 59. Great question, Casey. Lots of fun had it here on the Weekly Spiral. We really appreciate you sticking with us and uh, <laughs> hanging out. Um, please check us out, weeklyspiral.com. A lot of cool content up there, as well as on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash weeklyspiral, and all of our social handles as well. Uh, Casey, do you want to give a quick teaser as far as what you're doing? I know you touched on it a little earlier, but uh, what video people can look out for? Yeah, doing a breakdown on Joe Brady and the Panthers offense. So if you're interested in seeing how uh, the the passing game schemes from LSU and New Orleans are, are translating now to how the Panthers are running their offense, uh, you can go take a look at that. That'll be out later this week on YouTube.com slash Weekly Spiral. Awesome. Durgan, what about cool. you? Any content coming up you want to shout out? Sage Surratt, former Wake Forest wide receiver, the last player who opted out that I haven't covered yet. So he gets his turn. Nice, nice, awesome. Looking forward to both of those. Make sure you check those out. This has been a weekly Spiral production, bringing you fresh football every week. Thank you again for sticking with us for episode 59. We are really excited to be covering this season and to have football in general. And we are looking forward to episode 60 next week. And uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned.